Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, I'm Sal Bono, and today my guest on Curva Mundial is a rising star in professional soccer in America and someone you need to keep an eye on. A player who was drafted by New York Red Bulls in 2020 and currently plays forward for Charleston Battery. He's a Panathiakos supporter in the Greek Super League. Please welcome my next guest, Stavros Zarakostas. Welcome to the show, Stavros. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, I will say, as someone who has worked in media for a very long time, you have the most fun name to pronounce. <laughs> and I have a gu- and we're going to go into your stats because I have a gut feeling every announcer around the globe is going to have a lot of fun saying your name um, because you've got some impressive stats here. Uh, and, and I said, we're going to go into that. But your story is quite unique. Uh, you were born in Greece, but grew up in Rhode Island. So what was it like playing here and, and also having such tight roots to Europe? Yeah, so uh, growing up, I was, I was back and forth. So Greece in the summers um, and United States for school. Uh, I actually went to second grade in Greece. So I was always back and forth. So it was very interesting to have two different perspectives of soccer. You know, um, uh, when I went in the United States, it was always much more organized. Uh, in Greece, where I was from, there was no organized soccer, but it was still like a very high level. So it was, I think having both um, just developed my game and, into what it is now and developed my mentality. So I, I think it was a very helpful, uh, I would say, tool to where I am today. Did you ever notice that when you would take your skills that you learned in America and bring them to Greece, to the uh, pitches in Greece, that you already had a little bit of an advantage and vice versa. Like when you, whatever you picked up on in Greece <clears throat> and bringing that to the States, like did that make you stand out? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's two different styles, you know, uh, in Greece, you have like a, I would describe like a very raw, like emotional type game is where we were playing. Like it was like very often, like just on the streets with, with no rules. Um, and in the United States, it was like very structured. Like you learned, things like the proper way to throw a ball in or like different techniques with like trapping and decision-making. So I think um, just bringing both together uh, is kind of like the best of both worlds, two really important parts of soccer, like uh, creativity, but also like, I don't know how you would say the the tactical aspect of it. So that that was very interesting to have, uh, those two things, which, which made me stand out in, in both places, I would say, growing up. For sure. I mean, like, I can't imagine, because every country has their own style. And the Greeks, they're, you know, winning the Euro in 2003, 2004, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's still to so a lot of people was an anomaly. But when you look at the structure in which they play, and again, versus like how the Americans have, the American team has gotten better over the years. But at that time, and especially when you were growing up, it still is night and day, but you could at least make the argument as to how Greece wins the Euro that, that t- go around. Whereas like, you know, the States are, you know, have, have won in the 21st century for, for sure. But mm-hmm. again, those styles are different. Do you find it to be complex when you're getting coaching from managers here? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say complex. Um, I think there's something to appreciate with all styles. And uh, I, I think there's no right way to play. It's 
a free flowing creative game. So I think just having as many perspectives as you possibly can, it's only going to improve you as a player. For sure. For sure. You know, you were drafted by the Red Bulls in 2020 <clears throat> and were signed by the battery. What brought you to Charleston? Tell me about the path of your professional career now. Right. So uh, that was my first year playing pro, you know, getting drafted by Red Bulls. Uh, I was there for a little bit, wasn't offered a full contract uh, with the first team. So after, after that, I was kind of, uh, you know, talking with my agent. And at that moment, I kind of just wanted to get my foot in the door in professional soccer. I, I didn't care if I was playing in the middle of nowhere. And I got blessed and I was able to land in Charleston, which I didn't know. I didn't know anything about. I didn't know. You know, I had an idea of what Southern culture is or what it's like. Um, I was thinking like Texas, like that's, that's what I was thinking. Um, but I was, when I came down to Charleston, I was so surprised. It was, I fell in love with the city. Um, it was a little bit of a, of a lucky, lucky break being able to play here. But um, I was able to adjust and adapt to the team and, um, you know, had a good first year and look forward to whatever comes next, whether I'm here, whether I'm somewhere else. Uh, but, yeah, overall, it was a great experience. I mean, it's something that you're living the dream that every kid has, you know, whether, as you said, it doesn't matter if you're playing in the middle of nowhere or you're playing for MLS or whoever, whatever league it is, as long as you're getting paid to play and do what you love. <laughs> But the Battery, it's a historic club, which it's one of the oldest continually operating professional soccer clubs in America. And there's a little bit of weight to that because there's clearly a fan base that is super passionate. I mean, you look at whatever social media feeds that Charleston Battery have, those fans are making it out as if it's this is every game is almost like a World Cup final or a Champions yeah. League final. Uh, is there how much fun is it to play for them? Oh, the the atmosphere of the games is, is unreal. Um, they they even they redid the the stadium that we play on, and it's such an intimate environment. They have uh, like a bar rail that goes all around the uh, one of the net, one of the goals. So whether we're defending it or attacking it, it's just you hear the fans like you're right there. It feels like I don't know, like when you're growing up as a kid, you could hear your parents yelling at you. And now it's the fans like right there, right in your face. It's such a cool, uh, such a cool environment. So you have this interesting perspective on it because you say it's a cool environment, but doesn't that add to the pressure though? Like you have to make sure that, you know, this ball is playing played properly or this goal happens or <clears throat> like, does that, does it get, because everything now is so immediate, especially with social media, <laughs> but you are seeming to really embrace that, you know, what, what's that like, you know, give us a perspective that very few people in the world have, like, what is it like getting yelled at cheers and jeers from fans? On the yeah, yeah. Not, I think that's part of the game and it's almost, it makes the game. Uh, that's the difference between the game and the scrimmage you have your fans. It, like when we say it's the 12th man, we're not, we're not making things up. Like just the energy soccer, such as soccer is a sport that, has so many like energy changes throughout the game, momentum changes, like it's very real. Um, and having those fans like yelling and supporting, whether it's come on, you got to do better or yeah, it was a great goal. Uh, it's uh, just adds to the game. Just, just thinking about it makes me, makes me smile and, and feel nice. Like that's, that's why we, that's not the only reason why we do it, but like, that's, that's what you fantasize about. You fantasize a full stadium, a full field of, fans yelling and, and celebrating and booing and it's it all 
you know, you can't have one without the other. And it's, it's part of the game. What do you think the rush is for someone like Ronaldo at Old Trafford or Messi now in Paris? Unreal. Unreal. Unexplainable. Just thinking of Ronaldo, like scoring a goal, jumping up in the whole stadium, just saying, Sue, like that's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It's probably insane. There is something, though, that is quite interesting that you fall into a category that is happening to a lot of American players now is that you have international eligibility for both Greece because you were born there and the United States because a uh, place of your residence. I got to put you on the spot. Who would you pick? And it, and there's no wrong answer here. It's whatever decision right. you want. Like there's no, you know, this is not like a, you know, whatever. <laughs> this, is, this is whatever you feel is the proper thing. Yeah. 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 No, um, I've, I've gotten asked this question many times, actually. Uh, you know, family, friends, other uh, interviews. And it's always like, it's, it's, it's a very tough question to answer because the United States has given me so many opportunities that I don't think I would have had if I stayed in Greece or if I was living in Greece. And I'd have to be forever thankful for that. And on the other hand, like I was born in Greece, like my whole family's from Greece. Like that's a big part of my identity. Um, and growing up, like, I wanted to play for Pathnikos. I wanted to play for the Greek national team. So I think that burning desire as a kid is definitely still lingers. So uh, it would I'd have to pick Greece just because, like, I just feel that that's my roots. Like I was there first. I I'd feel I'd feel like I'm changing up on uh, on Greece if I chose the United States over them. It'd be a great situation. I had both national teams call me though. So <laughs> I mean, I, I hope so. What? What do you think you'll do when you get that call? Like if that call comes in and the Greek national team says, yo, we want to, we got some international friendlies, you know, we're on the fence about you. We want you to come play. What happens? I'd be there in a heartbeat. Of course, you know, I think I still have a lot of work and development to do before I reach that level. Um, but that has always been um, a goal of mine to be able to represent my country, any country, whether it's the United States or Greece. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely ready for it. Definitely up to the challenge. Awesome. You know, as a forward, which is the position you're playing, you know, there are certain positions on that field that are going to take the most extremes out of anybody. It's the goalkeeper for sure, because the game rests on their shoulders. And a forward because your job is to score goals. You got to win. Tell me about your quick decision making. You know, when you have less than a second to make a decision, am I going to score? Am I going to pass? Am I going to shoot it? What what happens when the ball is at your feet? Um, I don't do too much thinking when I play, to be honest. It's very, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but for me, it's very just, almost like flow like I, I don't think sometimes like I come through out of a game and I'm like wow I, like did I breathe like it kind of just when I'm in the zone I'm just kind of in the zone it's very uh free-flowing and natural like very rarely do I get the ball and I'm like okay like how am I gonna hit it how am I gonna do this it's kind of just just happens for me um and you know I've, I've talked to some teammates about this as well like when a lot of times when you score, you, you don't even like, it's a very weird feeling. Like I didn't even feel that ball leave my foot and it somehow it's in the back of the net. So 
yeah, it's it's hard to explain really the thought process because there's not always a specific thought process. It's kind of just you instinctively do things. Wow. It's probably why I've never been a good soccer player because <laughs> I, I overthink everything. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I overthink everything too. I think it's just people, I mean, I know like I'm a, I'm a forward and I have to do those instinctive quick decisions. I'm sure if you're a center mid, you need to slow the game down sometimes and just maybe take a breath, not go full speed all the time. Um, it, I want to discuss now the stats that you had because you made a name for yourself at the University of Rhode Island. Your home state in America is, is Rhode Island. You got to represent the school of, you know, of, of the state. Uh, you finished your collegiate career with 73 points, 28 goals, and 17 assists in 74 career games. What's it like hitting those marks, and what rush do you get from that? I mean, um, I've never really been, like, a stat-oriented uh, player or, or person. Like, I don't, I don't focus on, on that when I play. I kind of just go out there and do what I have to do to just develop myself. I think, I think that's the key to becoming better and just reaching the next level is you can't worry about how it looks or, like, what you have to do to look good I think you just have to be focused on yourself and when you do that good things happen I was fortunate to be on a, like a really good team that helped me achieve those stats and you know looking back I mean it'll be cool to show my kids but um yeah I mean it does I mean it means a lot that I could help my school but you know I don't I don't really look at that as something too specific because I just I want to keep developing and growing um I don't want to be just, okay, someone who had cool stats in, in college, you know, I want to continue that run and, and keep going. I love that, you know, because that's uh, – because far too often it gets hung up on the past of certain players. We see it even in the professional league. It's, you know, professional leagues rather. You know, so-and-so did this at this team, but he can't do it at this team. That It's not the mark of failure. It's just, <laughs> you know, there are different people around you. So you're 23 and essentially playing in what is second division or second tier – soccer in america we don't do regulation <laughs> as you know right i wish we did uh I, you took the words out of my mouth do you feel like because it's a two different league system where they don't intertwine with each other that it's almost a mm-hmm. hindrance to the development of players yeah absolutely i think uh so mls is trying to be like nfl i feel like it's a franchise I don't want to talk bad about like the league that I'm potentially trying to break into, but oh, I just, sure. I just, my perspective is a little bit, it's, I think it's interesting uh, the way it's franchised. Um, I feel that puts like a cap almost to how big you can grow. Uh, that's why I think USL has a, a really big chance right now to be like, who knows in 10 years, like the world cup is coming here too soon. If they keep growing and maybe bring relegation to USL and, that resonates with the football fans and the soccer fans of the United States. You know, USL can become a really popular league. You know, United States is a big country. A lot of people want to come here, want to come play. If they put some cool standards and bring the right people into USL and incorporate that relegation, I think a lot of cool things can happen and the league can uh, grow substantially. For sure. A few years ago, I mean, it was like five or six years ago, you know, there was the North American Soccer League, which encompassed a lot of the teams that you're playing against. Mm-hmm. There was a point where Raul was playing in America. 
uh, Marco Senna, uh, Paolo Maldini owned the Miami team uh, with Alessandro Nesta as his first coaching job. You know, icons <clears throat> of this game were in America in essentially, again, second tier. It brought a lot of eyes and it brought a lot of passionate fans, but nothing really came of that and it morphed into the league that you're in now. Do you feel that almost like the celebrity names hurt or help? I think it, ah, that's that's tough. There's pros and cons, you know, in a sense, like, you know, it bringing those big time players that are already established in uh, from Europe here might hinder the growth of local players and you don't want it to be like a money grab, but this flashy thing. I feel like, you know, you want it to be good quality soccer with good quality teams. Uh, but maybe you can have like a hybrid, like a mix of that where, you know, everyone has like, you know, an Ibrahimovic, everyone has a Rooney, whatever. And then, you know, you have your other uh, young talents that, that show up. I think that could be really cool. So I think, I think it, there's pros and cons to it. It's kind of tough to just give a specific guess. It's bad or no, it's good, you know? Absolutely. I, we see that in the professional league too. You know, you mentioned Ibrahimovic. He's done wonders for AC Milan. Most of the time he's been on a bench because he's hurt. But all of the young kids on that team say he is the spark that's making us do well. But right. then you see in, in, a, in City B, there was Kevin Prince Boateng and Mario Balotelli last year at Monza. And they didn't do, they were supposed to go to city A and they didn't do anything. Like they basically, they failed the objective and that's not mm-hmm. on the shoulders of Balotelli and Boateng, right. but those guys were signed to make sure that this team gets to the top flight. Mm-hmm. So we, we've seen that pro and con just in Italy alone. Uh, so I understand fully what you're saying. Now, one thing though, that is interesting about the Greek soccer league, which is what you've grown up and loved and watched and are a massive supporter of is that a lot of Greece's best players often leave and go to Italy or they go abroad. Costa uh, mm-hmm. Costa's now is, you know, at, at, uh, at Napoli after he was at Roma. Is that something that has hindered the Greek league when their superstars leave? Mm-hmm. So I haven't really been that attentive to the Greek league, to be honest, to be able to analyze it the way, I'm sure you're able to analyze soccer. Like you definitely analyze soccer a lot deeper than I do. You know, I kind of, uh, it's funny. Like I'm just a nerd. Man. I, like, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's because like, I mean, I love soccer. It's my passion, but believe it or not, like I don't watch it like that religiously as some people might think. Uh, so it's hard to answer that, but um, I mean, when when players leave the original country, like sometimes it might be good for them because if, if they are trying to make it, like that's that's something they need to do. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about like that's that's a very interesting point. You know, it's a weird one because it's you know it it's, it's a lead that's so historic, but at the same time, it's take Mohammed Salah for instance. He's Egyptian. <laughs> In Egypt, they have. A very good league they've got the most winning team in africa is in egypt but would he be mo salah if he stayed in egypt exactly they'd be like yeah he's good but he's playing in the egyptian league 
you know. And that's no disrespect to that league. It's a it's a mm-hmm. historic league. It's a wonderful league. For sure. But someone of Mo's caliber, mm-hmm. it, you understand why he goes. Mm-hmm. So in and it's and I kind of look at that as the same thing with Monolith or some of the other Greek stars that we've seen over the years, where it's like I understand why they leave. It's almost sort of it makes the national team that much more special. Like mm-hmm. the Avengers coming together, where it's yeah, that's kind of cool. Have, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. no, I, I I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think like it's a good thing to have like different cultures in different areas. I, I think that's that's a good thing. Um, I think it, it is a little outdated to think that, oh, local players should stay. In, I think that's outdated thinking, to be honest, now that I'm really, you know, because opportunities can be found for different players at different spots. For example, like I wasn't able to make it on one team and then I come in you know, I feel an important role for another. So from a personal experience, you know, you have to go where you're wanted, where you belong and you will thrive. So, yeah. Love it. Now let's talk about your fandom for a minute. I know you said you're not paying that much attention to the league these days. Totally fine. Uh, my Greek pronunciation is terrible. So uh, I'm hoping I'm getting this right when I'm saying Panathiakos. Panathinaikos. Yeah, no, no, I was way off. Okay. No, you were close. That was good. Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos in the American accent. Okay. Uh, how, you're a fan of them. How did that yeah. come to be? Okay, so it's funny because I'm a Panathinaikos fan. My father is a Olympi- Olympiakos fan, which is a rival. One of my brothers is Panathinaikos with me. My other brother is Olympiakos. My sister sways in between. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's only Piacos. But um, so it, it comes from my grandfather. My grandfather was a diehard uh, Path Michaels fan. So I took his fo- footsteps. You know, I would watch it with him when I was younger. I would just watch soccer with him, and I just fell in love with the team. Didn't know too much about it at the time. Uh, just kind of rode the boat. And, yeah, eventually just been part of my, like, my roots. I feel it's part of me, like, growing up. Uh, but it's always been funny because my dad's not a Panathinaikos fan. And even though we didn't, like, sit down to watch, like, every game, like, heatedly like that, whenever they did play, especially when I was living in Greece, it was always interesting uh, and fun. Always fun. It's, it's a nice little rivalry in, when you get it inside the house. That's for sure. It's for fun. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And How luckily, did... we're not – No, no, no. We're not, like, uh, we're not, like, diehard. So, like, it's still, like, okay. Like, we might get upset, not talk for, like, five, ten minutes, but then it's fine. Um, so, it's, 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 it's a good level. It's a good level. One thing that I've talked about with and we'll be talking about on this podcast is growing up watching European leagues in America. And one thing that I find interesting is that I found it difficult, especially as a kid of the 90s, you know, born in the 80s, kid of the 90s trying to get city on America. It happened, but it wasn't the way it is now. I can only imagine how frustrating it was to get the Greek league here in the States. How difficult was it for you to have those moments and watch those games with, with your family or even just as a casual fan in America? Mm -hmm. No, I was growing up. Like I remember, even though I wouldn't really, be that into watching it because I was still young. I, you know, I was playing outside. I wasn't following a soccer league at the time. Um, my brother would 
it would be a struggle. Like my family's in the restaurant business. So obviously that's very time consuming. So they would have to like record it, watch it back. And it was just one channel. Like there's like one Greek channel that we would have access to in the United States. And sometimes they'd have the game, sometimes they wouldn't. So it'd be a lot of like YouTube replays and all that stuff. But now with streaming, like it's so easy to get everything and anything. So it's very good that they're doing that. And that's attainable to everyone. It's amazing though, that no matter what the culture is, if you're back, if you're so passionate about the game, you always find a way to watch it. As you said, even oh, yeah. recording or YouTube replays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The case may be. No, there's, there's ways. Yeah. We're spoiled now. <laughs> we're not, we're not worried about anything. No, it's so true. It's absolutely because now everything is so accessible and mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like we went from having hardly any leagues to every league in the world. How difficult though, do you think it is to still try and get, Americans or just casual American soccer fans at a bar or whatever mm. to watch the Greek Super League. Again, I'm struggling trying to pronounce one of the names of the teams, you know, but it's just yeah. somehow, it, it's 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 a historic yeah. league and it's an important league for sure, but it's a hard sell. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. We need some marketing genius. Uh, I don't know. I, I think soccer is definitely uh, growing in popularity, um, especially the Prem. Like, I feel like that's blowing up here. Like, everyone has a Prem League team, which is good, a good start. Um, but I feel like if it's not one of the top leagues, which I, I love the Greek League, I'm, you know, very proud to be Greek, but I would be lying to myself if I said it's one of the top tier leagues. You know, it's just it's just not. It's a good one. You know, there's great players, great teams, and it's very historic. But I think uh, to, to get the attention of worldwide attention, not just the United States, it would have to be like a top five, top three league. I think without that, it's very difficult to get people to watch because they'd be like, I have all these other foreign leagues to, to watch. Why would, I, why, why would I watch that one? So, What do you think makes the Greek league so different from the others in that it stands out? I mean – I think the Panathinaikos and Olympiakos rivalry is something crazy. Um, you hear crazy stuff. Like my brother, he experienced high school in Greece. So he was able to say, I, I was only in second grade. So like it wasn't that crazy. But when Panathinaikos and Olympiakos used to play, he grew up in Athens and they would literally you knew there was going to be a fight that day. Like he said, he got beaten up so many times and it's just a crazy rivalry. You know, it's sometimes it's not always good. Like bad things happen, um, which is sad. Like that's not how soccer should be. We should all be civilized when we're watching. But I just think that goes to show like how much passion uh, exists in the sport, especially between those two teams. It's, it's funny because I get a small taste of that. I live in a very, very Greek neighborhood in New York City. I get a small taste of that. And whenever AEK Athens and Olympiakos, and yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, man, and get this right. Panathinaikos? Panathinaikos. 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 I'm trying. I'm trying. It's a beautiful language that I don't want to butcher. But whenever <laughs> one of those teams play the other two that I mentioned, 
the old the OGs in the neighborhood are at each other's throats. Like I'm talking 60, 70, 80 year old guys oh, screaming yeah. at each other. And it's like, I don't need to know what you're saying, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> Tell me about those rivalries and like what makes this so high tempered. I know you just touched on it, but it's it transcends generations. It transcends yeah. everything. Oh. It's almost as if like Greeks created civilization and yet these teams seem to destroy all of it. <laughs> that's funny that's a funny way to look at it i just think we're a passionate culture man i mean i know there's a lot of coaches that would say that but um i don't know just going um even guys who don't support like they won't watch a game for you like they won't watch a game they they won't know what place a te- their team is in but if they're playing against each other they'll be like okay i'm watching that and i better win like I don't know. We're just passionate, I guess. And it just translates to soccer. And soccer is such a beautiful game with so many emotions, so many mood swings. Like, it resonates to us as humans, uh, no matter where you're from. But, you know, Greeks are kind of crazy sometimes. So, Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. I'm going to add, now it's time for me to ask the same three questions I ask every guest on the show. It's my favorite part of it because everybody is so different. So the first question here is, if you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Um, well. I didn't really think about this one. See, I don't really know that many legendary players that played for Panathinaikos. Or, like, but I do remember, I think his name was Gabriel Cisse. He just, this dude played for Panathinaikos who, like, would dye his hair. And I just remember he would stand out just because he dyed his hair. And I recently discovered that while he was playing for Panathinaikos, he was like a very popular DJ in Athens too. So I just think that's hilarious because I'm also into music too. Like I do that on the side. So I'm like, if I was playing for Panathinaikos and I could DJ like that, that would probably be me. I'd dye my hair now. So I I thought he was a cool dude. Um, I'm sure there's other legends that I could bring up, but from the top of my head, like he just pops up, you know, just like as a kid, I remember watching him and seeing him. That's a guy who's living his best life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, let's just go party in Athens in the summertime. <laughs> Where else do you want to be? I mean, just go to the islands, set up, <laughs> play, and then when you, and, and then the season starts and you get paid to kick a ball around. Um, you're obviously doing more than just kicking a ball around, but you get what I was getting at here. Uh, if your club could sign one player today, who would it be and why? Athenikos, if they could sign one player today. Me. <laughs> no. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, yeah, me, because I want to be on there. But if I want them to be successful, um, I say Ronaldo because I really like Ronaldo. I think uh, I don't want to get into the topic of who's better, Messi or Ronaldo, because I I'm, I can't pick one. But I think um, we'll see with Messi if he has the same effect. But I think Ronaldo has this effect on the team like you said, how Ibrahimovic did, where he just 
radiates like professionalism and just something that would inspire, I think, everyone on the team and that would translate to the league and just him being in the Greek league, I think would make it so much better just because everyone's like, Oh, like one of the best in the world is in this league. And he's like a professional. He takes it like serious. So, um, yeah, I would say All that. Right. All right. I like that. I don't know how realistic that is, but Hey, it's it's funny because like what's crazy to me is that whenever I hear anything about the Greek league, it's a money situation. It's almost like it mirrors the politics of the country in a weird way. It's like I yeah. know Reno Gattuso, like when he coached there, there was a famous press mm-hmm. conference that he gave where he's like, sometimes maybe good, and sometimes mm-hmm. maybe sometimes shit. Maybe shit. <laughs> <laughs> the best, yeah. the best. And it's and you know he there were rumors that like he was struggling to get paid and all this stuff. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it, and again. It, Anytime like that league gets brought up, it's always it mirrors what the civil unrest and it mirrors the money situation there. But let's live in a fantasy world for a minute, yeah, and there is yeah, no money. And, and Ronaldo can play there. Why not? You know, let, let's Probably do the dream. He would look good in green. So, I it's I think it's the only color he hasn't. No, wait, no sporting, sporting, sporting. sporting yeah, forgot about that. And he dyed his hair back too. to his roots. That's Back right. to his roots. Back to his, yeah. The real roots there. <laughs> Actually, he probably hates Greece after the Euro in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's not coming. That's why he purposely went back to Manchester United. He, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? A fan of uh, Panathinaikos or of soccer? Either or. Euro 2004, for sure. Um, I was obviously super young, but it's crazy. It's like a memory that like, I remember vividly. I remember I was in the United States, um, and I was confused because I'm like, why are all these random Greek people like showing up to my house? Like my parents would just invite like cousins I haven't heard of in years, like uncles I haven't seen, like people <laughs> i'm like <laughs> we haven't talked to these guys in forever what's going on and they're just watching soccer and like my family didn't watch soccer like that like in that religious and i'm like what is going on so that's when i started like focusing more and i think it was like the semifinals. Oh, what did we play czech i think we played the czech republic but i remember like watching that game and just seeing the raw emotion on my brother and my dad when we ended up winning just like let's go like just I'm like, wow, okay, this is interesting. And then the final, I think it was near the 4th of July, too. I forget when we when the actual final was, but I remember. Yeah, like, it, was, it was actually the 4th of July. I'm looking it up right was now. Was it the 4th of July? It was the 4th of July, yeah. So I just remember Greece winning the Euro and then going outside and, and there's fireworks like everywhere. I'm like, is everyone, is everyone Greek here? Like, <laughs> what are all these fire? I didn't know I was a young kid. So I just remember being very proud like of my heritage like a moment i won't forget and uh like even now like sometimes if i need inspiration before a game like i'll watch uh the road to the euros 2004 like it's it's a crazy video like people say um oh greece got lucky like that we i mean we did play a very defensive style of football but we we beat the host nation twice that was a good portuguese size so it just shows like 
you know, I think it's a great underdog story. I think it's a great, you know, working hard. Like the definition of football. So, yeah, I think that that might be my favorite moment because it, it still lingers today. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a better one. I mean, now it's just get that World Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hey, we work really hard. The ball is round. Anything is possible, you know? You're right. Yeah. That's, I don't think we went into that year in 2004 saying, oh, we're going to win it. So, What's funny is, is that I don't think any team ever really goes in thinking they're going to win unless they're England this past summer. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen a team more confident than the English. And that's it's good to have confidence. But mm-hmm. it was – it was a level of almost like absurdity where it's this, this could swing in a different direction for you. And it mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with the result. But <laughs> um, I was watching the year with my Italian teammate. So that was really fun. That's awesome. I, well, one thing though, that we didn't touch upon, I want to backtrack just a quick sec before I let you go. Is, mm-hmm. is that what is amazing about the Charleston battery. And a lot of people don't understand or may not realize is, is there are players from all over the world. You have got oh, yeah, teammates sure. from Italy, teammate from Nigeria. You yourself may may represent Greece, um, but it's not just young American players. So, what's it like getting the experience and exposure of different styles of play mm-hmm. and and a beautiful melting plot of different folks? And yeah, no, for sure, it's it's crazy and it goes beyond football. Um, even in college, like it was a very diverse team. And that was the first time I was in such a diverse team, like Germany, Norway, uh, South Africa, England, like everywhere. And that was like one perspective. Like I got to see that. And then it just continued here and even amplified like Trinidad, Jamaica, Honduras, Panama, Cuba, like just crazy to see different cultures and different people and different styles. And I think, that's what football is about. Like you meet, you meet so many people and you learn so many things and it's bigger than football, but that's for me, that's what ties me to the rest of the world. And I think uh, it's an incredible opportunity and I'm definitely trying to make uh, the most of it. I can't think of a better way to end it. Thank you so much, Stavos. This is really great. For sure. I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, anytime. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Thanks for listening.